for the time will come when there will they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables second timothy chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 I was talking to a lady at work. Uh, She had put in her two weeks notice. And this was her last, it was Friday. Hadn't really had time to visit with her much. She was a real busy lady. She had a lot of things that she did. And before break, I had caught her uh, in the aisle and was talking to her and got to talking to her about the things that she'd been doing, and she said that she was uh, real busy with her grandson's baseball, and she was real busy with the activities at church. And I asked her, I said, oh, really? I said, "Uh, what church do you go to? And uh, we got to talking, and she said that she was a member of the church, and she went to a contemporary service at her church, and she said that, um, she said, now I just want to tell you this, and as she was telling me that, she was kind of looking me over, like looking at my body, and at first I really didn't realize what she was doing, but after she had made the comment, I kind of understood what she was saying. She said, now I'm not like my granny, she's an old school Church of Christer. I believe a little bit different than how she believes. And it kind of struck me back, and I thought, well, what do you you mean by that? And uh, she said, well, you know, she believes some things that I don't necessarily agree with. And wouldn't you know it, the bell rung for us to go. Well, actually, the bell didn't ring. Carol... uh, my mother-in-law's sister, Aaron's aunt, said, break. So I had to leave. And she cut out and she said, hey, it was good talking to you. And I've been studying uh, the book of Titus is what I was going to preach on tonight. And I thought, we have got to make sure that us as a body of Christ understand Sound doctrine. There's only one doctrine. There's only one way to believe. There's only one way to live our lives. And if you would, go ahead and turn to the book of Titus. Um, I'm going to not go through the whole book, but I want to hit some high notes uh, in the chapter. I'd love to spend a whole bunch of time talking about it, but... I want to kind of set it up, too, as we begin talking. If uh, you want to look at verses 1, I'm going to, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, I want to start right there. Paul, a bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, 
but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Paul begins uh, talking about he had been entrusted to preach the word of God according to the commandment of God, which is uh, very interesting because in 1 Corinthians uh, 14.37 he says, The things that I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Paul has been given authority to tell the Gentiles the things that they need to know to be sound in doctrine. Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Titus, and is writing him to set in order the things which are lacking in Crete. That's why he left them there. Verse 5 says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. One thing that we need to remember is if you go to a church or a congregation and they don't have elders, you may need to check into that. You need, may need to check more into what they've got going on. Is it because they have, don't have any that are qualified, or is it because they just don't believe that you need to have elders? You see, he's wanting to appoint uh, elders in every city just like he commanded them. By setting these elders up, what he's doing is the same pattern that's being used by the other apostles. What's very interesting about Paul is in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is talking to the, tw- to the 11, and he tells them uh, in verse 3 that, he has, he would, that Jesus had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So he was giving them these commandments that they needed to follow in order to uh, pursue the kingdom. And in verse 4, he says of Acts 1, he was speaking the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Paul wasn't there at that time. Paul wasn't a part of the original 11 that heard these commandments that were being uh, spoken to them on what they needed to do. If you would, turn with me real quick to Galatians. I want to read... uh, a little bit about Paul and bring you up to how Paul knew about this sound doctrine that he's fixing to tell his brother uh, Titus. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon I marvel, sorry about that. Verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Now look at verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I have advanced in Judaism beyond many of the contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. 
But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you indeed, before God I do not lie. Afterward I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. Now look at chapter 2. I'm almost done with this and then I'll explain. I know I'm reading a whole bunch, but I want to read this so I can explain this. This is very, very good stuff. This is how awesome God is and how awesome he works and how perfect he is. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. This is who he's talking to in, in the book of Titus. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Now skip down to verse 7 just for the sake of time. But on the contrary... When they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, They gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. So, Paul had no idea until he received direct revelation from Jesus or the Lord to know what to tell or teach or anything like that. But when he went, once he had received this revelation and he became a Christian, then he met up with the apostles at a later time. And once they understood what he was talking about, they gave him the right hand of fellowship. You see, there's only one doctrine. Me and James talk a lot, and we talk. One thing that he's—I've always remembered him saying as he's talking to people uh, about being a Christian or what we believe or the things that uh, we uh, proclaim to believe in or whatever the the situation is. He says, "Can we have New Testament Christianity now, like we did in the first century?" Well, the answer to that is. Absolutely, yes. There's no difference in the doctrine from the very beginning to right now. 
But what we have to know and what we have to make sure that we understand is that the only way that we can find what's right or find the way that we have to believe is what? Through the Bible. Amen? Okay, so let's go to back to Titus 1. Sorry I took you all on a journey, but I needed to do that. I felt like I needed to uh, pump up my boy Paul as he's fixing to tell you all these things just like he was telling Titus because he is as qualified as any of the apostles to tell any of the things that need to be known about how to act and how to do things in the church. So let's read verses 6 through 9. Let me start back at 5. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, so here he is, he's he's telling Titus that he needs to go into these cities and set up elders. If a man, and, he, and he's going to give them the qualifications for allowing them to be able to be an elder, okay? If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination, for a bishop or overseer must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. What I want, the reason why I'm even talking about sound doctrine is because it's so repetitive in this book. Sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. The teachings of, of one person, and that's Jesus Christ. The way that He taught, the way that He said to do things is the way we must do them. He said, if you love Me, then you'll what? Keep My commandments. So, remember, brothers and sisters, Pray for our elders. Our elders are something that God wanted us to have. The elders have a great responsibility. And this goes back to what I read at the beginning. The time will come when people are not going to believe sound doctrine. They're going to do whatever they want, whatever they feel like doing, They're going to have whatever way it could be to be the coolest way. And that's how it's going to be. But we have to understand that God set elders up for a reason. Look at at verse 9. I want you to look at verse 9 as as one important uh, qualification for an elder. Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and convict those who contradict. An elder should be able to exhort you, and he should be able to say, wait a minute, 
you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And how are you going to react if an elder comes to you and says that to you? Will you be willing to understand, I am not doing the right thing? Or will you get upset? Understand why God set these elders up because they have got to meet a specific qualification to be one. But if they do meet the qualification, one thing that we've got to remember is God said that's good enough. God said that it's good enough if you can meet these qualifications that you can lead my people. I want us to, and I'm not just up here pumping the elders up. I love the elders. But God's pumping the elders up. Because Paul, the very first thing that he tells Titus to do is go set elders up in every city. Because that's what needs to be done. Let's move on. Let's talk about us as a uh, congregation. And this includes elders too. Uh, In chapter 2, he talks about different types of people. Older men, older women, younger women, and younger men. And I want you right now to put yourself in the category which you belong. Let's read it. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older woman likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to too much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say to you. So, God's Word is so awesome that as you read it and you actually study it in your personal time, and I, I know that we all have our personal time where we talk to the Lord and we're writing things to the Lord and we're asking Him to help us with things, that we can use that this right here this week to grow in strength. Let's look at let's just look real quickly at what I'm going to break these down and just look at them. Older men, are you sober? Are you reverent or honorable? Are you temperate? Sound in faith? In love, in patience? Older men, if you're in that category, be patient with me, please. Because I'm probably going to do something that I shouldn't. 
I may not, but I may. I don't want to. I want to do God's will in everything that I do. But if I'm not doing something right, come to me, talk to me, and be patient with me. And you know what? I will strive to do the best that I can. Younger men, that's the mentality that we all should have. We should have that mentality. Older women, reverent. And I looked that word, that word right there up in the Greek, sacred thing to God. In behavior. Not slanders, not given to too much wine. Teachers of good things. That they should admonish the younger women. Can you help the younger women or do the younger women see you as this example? You find the weakness that you have in there. And look at this for the young women. This is what the older women uh, should admonish you with. To love your husbands. To love your children. To be discreet or self-controlled. To be chaste or clean or modest. Housemakers. Good. Obedient to their husbands. That the word of God may not be blasphemed. That's That's a very harsh word right there. That's a very harsh area right there, really, if you think about it. That the word of God may not be blasphemed. Look at those things that you can do, young women. Look at the things that you can improve on. I don't know what your weakness is. I don't even want to call you out on it. But you know what your weakness is. You know the things that you're struggling with. And young men, look at this right here. This is some good stuff right here. Sober-minded. Showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. I love this. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. Making an opponent be ashamed, having nothing evil to say. Your speech is in such a way that even if somebody's opposing you, they can't say nothing bad about you. I can't say nothing bad about Drake, man. The way he talks to me, and I'm trying to talk bad to that boy right there. I can't say nothing bad about him. Let me say this. To be sound in doctrine, we must do the things, we must do these things in order to be the church that's pleasing to God. Are we all there doing all these things perfectly? No. But should we strive to do these things perfectly? Absolutely. Absolutely. I still think about this, what Mark said. I still think about this, and I want y'all to think about this too. Jesus had the love for God and the love for us. And He 
only was trying to do the right thing. When we do these things, the opponent can't even say nothing bad about you because you're doing the right things. You're saying the right things. Your speech is in such a way that you're changing a person's life. I want to look uh, real quick down at the next uh, 9 and 10 because this kind of goes right along with this. Uh, and it's talking about bond servants and masters. Now, we don't have masters and slaves now, but we do have a boss and we do, um, we are employees. And listen to this. Uh, chapter 2, verse 9. Exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. It says bond servants or employees should be well-pleasing in all things. When you're at work, are you, are you well-pleasing in all things? Not answering back, hey, Matt, I need you to go... Uh, take the trash out and clean the bathroom up. Really? I ain't trying to do that. Are you answering back real slick to your boss? Not pilfering. Do you use what he tells you and go tell somebody else and cause a bunch of mess, embezzle in his business and, and do things for your own gain? Showing all good fidelity. Can you be relied on? Are you reliable? I can't count on Matt. I don't even know if he's going to come to work. He's late. His area's dirty. Are you that kind of guy? Or, hey man, I really, I may need you to stay over. Are you willing to do that? Yes, sir. Whatever you need me to do, boss. Whatever you need me to do. When you do that, look what happens. And, 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 and probably, I don't know, your boss may be a Christian, but he may not be. Look what happens. They may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. By you doing these things, by you applying these things and putting them into practice, they adorn the doctrine of God. They don't even know it. God's so awesome. He's way above anybody. They're enjoying and being thankful for what a great employee you are and what you're doing is being pleasing to God. You don't think that makes the Lord happy when He sees His kids doing what He asks them to do? I bet you He's real happy about that because He loves us. This... It, sound doctrine talk is something that is not all in the book of Titus. It's all throughout the Bible. But these right here are, are, are powerful things for us to be able to do and, and, and to grow into becoming a better Christian. Isn't that what it's all about? Is being pleasing to the Lord? And I hear it all the time. We want to get people to heaven. I want to go to heaven. Don't y'all want to go to heaven? But don't you want to get somebody else to heaven? 
or you just want to only go to heaven. I just only want to go to heaven. I like y'all pretty good, but I'm good with just being in heaven by myself. (laughs) I mean, that's ridiculous. When we do the things that God wants us to do, we gain more knowledge. We gain more favor with people. We gain an opportunity to say, hey, you want to do a Bible study? I'd love to do a Bible study with you. We could do it at your house. By the way that your character is and by the way that you act. It's, and I'm not saying we're not doing this. I'm not up here saying, I'm doing it and y'all ain't. Because as I look at this list right here, there's a lot of things that I fall short of that I want to improve. I'm excited that I can improve on these things. Try it. Do it. Talk to the Lord this week. Be excited about wanting to do God's will. The last thing that I want to talk about is one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in chapter 13. Uh, It's the verses 4, 5, and 6. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Sound doctrine is, is what we need, but the driving force of sound doctrine is what? Obedience to the Gospel. If you ain't a Christian... Yeah, you can follow these sound things and do these good things, but you can't be pleasing to God because you're not in Christ. Colossians 2, 10 through 13 says, You are complete in Him. And I'm paraphrasing this. Just as God raised Jesus from the dead, He raises you to be born again and cleanse you from all your sins or your trespasses. The only way that you can have your sins forgiven is to be baptized into Christ. And then you will have clothed yourselves with Christ. I encourage you today that you will take some time to look at these, look at these uh, qualities of uh, sound doctrine. That you will love on your elders. That you will uh, thank them for the job they're doing. Ask them if they uh, need you to do anything else for them. Be helpful to them. And listen to them. If we can do these things, remember, chapter 2, 14 says, Who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. Listen to this, and I'm going to finish. I want you to listen to this. Jesus died to make us pure so we could be His special people, loving Him in all we do. Let me say that one more time. Jesus died to make us pure so we could be His special people, loving Him in all we do. Do you love the Lord in all you do? 
show Him. If you need to be baptized into Christ, if you need some prayers, if you've fallen away and you need to be brought back to the church, come right now. As together we stand and sing.